Welcome to the 34 Circe Salon. We journey from the ancient world to the cosmos. Take the adventure. Take the adventure with us. With us. With us. With us. And welcome to the 34 Circe Salon, the Parallax. I got it right that time. If those of you listening won't know, but it's our little editing secrets. This is the channel called the Parallax, where we journey from the ancient world to the cosmos. Please be sure to like it on your podcasting platform where you listen to this and to leave lovely, thoughtful, supportive comments. We would love that. Today, we return to our series on classical studies. We call it Classical Studies 101. And we are returning to our study of the Iliad. And who better to guide us on that journey than the one, the only, Dr. Gary Stickle. Hello, Gary. Hello, and thanks for having me back again. Those are your adoring fans roaring in the background. So last... uh That's very nice, very nice. There you go. So when we last left, we had covered... Chapter 4 of the Iliad, we had talked about the different forces arrayed in battle, the forces of the Achaeans, or a.k.a. the Greeks, the forces of the Trojans. We talked about the gods and goddesses aligned. And in our last chapter, we had talked about Helen of Troy and some of the other personalities that come into array. So we're in the battle now. We're in the world of battle and we're up to chapter five. So, Gary, tell us what uh, what is it that's particular or special about chapter five, and tell us some more about it. Guide us along this journey further. <clears throat> well, chapter five is full on uh, account of, of <clears throat> the horrible war at Troy, and it's it has the glory, but it has the gory, <laughs> you know. Of war, so I would say, you know, like they say, uh, viewer discretion uh, advised. Um, All right, we we gave you a rim shot for that. It was a little delayed, but we got your rim shot for that. The glory and the gory. So okay, so we're yeah. about to get the, the thick of it, huh? Yeah. And so uh, I, here, I'd have to say, listener discretion advised because it's pretty gory stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty graphic and so on. Homer Homer doesn't mince any words. Um, well, well, we talked about in this mm-hmm. series about how great a writer, how great a poet Homer is, and it really is a testament because he does bring this world alive, alive in a way that even those of us who are interested in living 3,000 years later can still listen to it and think, wow, or read it or hear it read and think, wow, this is an extraordinary time, an extraordinary group of people with a great... Um, series of conflicts to watch unfold. And um, as I keep mentioning, um, there's a little introduction to the chapter uh, in this. um, It's it's a good translation, you know, 19th century translation, 1883 by, you know, published by Harvard. And it's by Andrew Lang, Walter Leaf and Ernest Myers. And so their little uh, introduction to the chapter five is, or book five, they call it, 
how Diomedes, who was a Greek, by his great valor made havoc of the Trojans and wounded even Aphrodite and Ares, you know, the, the gods, with the help of Athena. So that's the chapter in a nutshell. So a, a particular warrior wounded a god and a goddess? Yeah. In other words, uh, according to Homer, that's possible. You can't kill mm. them, but you can hurt them. Isn't that interesting? That is really interesting. I didn't realize that. So you could hurt a god. So if you had a showdown, a battle with a god, you could hurt him. You just couldn't kill him. Yes. So the so um, what happens? Yeah. So tell us what happens. So the translation I've been you know utilizing is by Robert Fagels um, in the nineteen ninety. Uh, 1990 a, a, a translation he did and uh, he labels the chapters Diomedes fights the gods how about that so you have a mortal fighting mm -hmm. the gods mm -hmm. then Pallas Athena granted Tydeus's son Diomedes strength and daring so in other words he's being inspired by Athena the goddess of uh, usually defensive war and wisdom so that the fighter would shine forth and tower over the Argives or the, or the Trojans and win himself great glory. She set the man ablaze, his shield and helmet flaming with tireless fire like the star that flames at harvest, bathed in the ocean, rising up to outshine all other stars. Such fire Athena blazed from Tydeus' head and shoulders, drove him into the center where the masses struggled on. Pretty wild introduction, huh? Mm hmm So, um, and then, um, and and then Athena interacts with Ares, who is supporting the Trojans. Ares is the god of war, and says uh, Athena, eyes bright, taking Ares in hand, called the violent god away. Ares, Ares, destroyer of men, reeking blood and stormer ramparts. Why not let these mortals fight it out for themselves? Let Zeus give glory to either side who cho he chooses will stay clear and escape the father's rage. And then this is some of the, you know, the the, the, the grim account of the war from Homer. Well, well hold, hold up a second. A couple of things. Yeah. Okay. So we've got Athena now calling Ares off, so to speak, saying, hey, let's lay back and let this play out. Yes. Okay. Now, in the last time we talked, we talked about how uh, when Homer describes what was going on with the gods, the gods were almost like sports fans in the background, rooting on, wanting to see each of these sides fight and get it on. Right. And now we've got Athena pulling back, trying to pull back Ares. But at the same time, she's got this guy, Diomedes, where she's going to try to get him to go into the fray and and – set forth into battle. Am I reading that right? Am I understanding that clearly? Yes, to let Diomedes give the Greeks the advantage. Okay, so she's calling Ares off to let Diomedes get that advantage. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So, again, who is this guy? I'm not familiar with this particular Greek hero. Well, he's, he's uh, one of the main uh, heroes of the Greeks. I mean, he's not as great as Agamemnon or Menelaus or Odysseus, but he is up there. And uh, so <clears throat> Homer what's, features what's, him. 
What's special? Is there anything that makes him stand out? For example, Achilles is the greatest warrior, and then well, you've he, got, he's a great uh, warrior himself. He's not on the level of Achilles, but Achilles, remember, is refusing to fight right now. So you have to find substitutes. So he's the guy. Okay, great. Let's put it in sports terms. He's kind of the backup quarterback. Yes. Now, what about um, you've got? Okay, so Agamemnon is the is the great king, right? Uh, same with Menelaus, same with Odysseus, for that matter. Right. Do we know much more about Diomedes? Well, um, I, I, to be honest, I forget where. I think he's from Argos, but uh, I have to verify that. Uh-huh, okay. Argos well, we being, so, mm-hmm. being one of the kingdoms, you know, of the Greeks on uh, the Peloponnesos or Peloponnesus, that large uh, peninsula, you know, to the south of Greece. You know, the peninsula includes Olympia, where the Olympic Games were played, and Mycenae, where Agamemnon ruled, and, and Sparta. So anyhow, the account okay. goes no, on. No, okay, so I'm just wondering, but that's that's about all we have of him. We don't have much more about him? Uh, not to my knowledge, but I, I, I shouldn't research that. So how does he, because for example, I mean, no, no worries. And I'm just curious because Ajax we know about, there's the great play. He's considered like the second best warrior, right? Ajax is number two to Achilles for yeah. the Greeks. Yeah. Okay. And then we know about all these other uh, warriors because they're kings. And of course, everybody loves Odysseus. You know, we all love crafty Odysseus. Exactly. That's, that's the applause for Odysseus 3,000 years later. Um but we don't really have much more about Diomedes. I think that's interesting. So, at least I do. I don't know what you think. I just think it's interesting. We don't have more about him. I wonder if there were other plays that were lost to him. Well, antiquity. the Wikipedia thing, which I just brought up, said Diomedes received the most direct divine help and protection. He was a favorite warrior of Athena, who even drove his chariot once. Mm-hmm. He was also the only hero except. Uh, Heracles or Hercules, son of Zeus, that attacked and even wounded the Olympian gods, most notably Ares, whom he struck with a spear. It's it's really fascinating to me that we don't have more stories or tales about him. That's like a significant warrior. He's gone off. He's taken on the gods. Like it says, he's wounded the gods. He's beloved by Athena. She rides his chariot like uh, somebody riding around in someone's car, right? Like just kind of, a, you know, some famous superstar's car. Yet we don't have much more about him in terms of uh, the great writers of the ancient world of antiquities telling stories about him. And Wikipedia also says he later became king of Argos. Okay. But again, I mean, you see where I'm going with that. It's like, why don't we have tales about Diomedes the way we do about Ajax and Achilles? And right, it's just stuff. not as as known. Yeah, it's a re- it's really inter- it's kind of interesting. All right, anyway, so that's our little thing about Diomedes. So now we're in chapter five. Diomedes is called in substitute quarterback. Achilles won't go in the game, so coach <clears throat> coach Agamemnon brings in Diomedes. Okay, that's where we are. So what happens? And then uh, you know Homer describes what, what what goes on here to give context to Diomedes. And he says, uh, and so luring the headlong Ares off the lines, meaning, you know, the, the front lines of the war, Athena sat uh, 
him down on Scamander's soft sandy banks. Now Scamander is the river near beside Troy. While the Greeks bent the Trojans back, each captain killed his man. First Agamemnon, lord of men, spilled the giant Odeus. That's quite a name here, Odeus. Mm-hmm. Chief of the Halizonians. Knocked him off his car. The first to fall, as he veered away, the spearhead punched his back between the shoulders, gouging his flesh and jutting out through his ribs. He fell with a crash. His armor rang around him. So this is one of the graphic, you know, encounters, um, mm-hmm. killings that takes place. Sure, sure. And uh, it goes on here with other ones. Um, so... Menelaus took Scamandrius, Scamandrius being another Trojan, down with a sharp spear. You know, Menelaus, the husband of Helen and the king of Sparta. Right. So Menelaus took Scamandrius down with a sharp spear. Uh, Strophius' son, a crack marksman, skilled with the hunt. Artemis caught the man herself to track and, and kill wild beasts, whatever breeds in the mountain woods. But the hunter's showering arrows could not save him now, nor the archer's long shots. His forte and days gone by. Now Menelaus, the great spearman, ran him through, square between the blades, as he fled and raced ahead, tearing into his flesh, drilling out through his chest. He crashed face down, his armor, you know, clanged around him. And then uh, another Trojan, I mean, another Greek, uh, Marionis, caught his adversary quickly, running him down hard, speared him low in the right buttock, the point pounding under the pelvis, jabbed and pierced the bladder. He dropped to his knees, screaming, death swirling around him. So Maggie's killed Pedarius. You know, it, so, it goes on like I, that. Yeah, no, well, it's interesting. What, what I love hearing in this is I, we're going to have to do, I'll, I'll write something up someday. I picture this with, do you remember uh, the John Madden when he would do football? Did you listen to football a lot when John Madden was an announcer? A little bit, yeah. Well, for the for the listeners who have, and for those around the world, John Madden is an, uh, was an American football coach. He coached a team called the Oakland Raiders. They're now they eventually moved to L.A., then back to Oakland. They're now in Las Vegas. They had a reputation of being tough guys, pirates, kind of uh, free spirited scoundrels, and. Madden was their coach, a very nice man, a very uh, good team leader, and became a very good uh, announcer. He loved his players, uh, and he loved football, loved the, the American football, the clash of the, the big warriors in the game. And when he would talk about football, he'd talk about it in a way where he'd get excited. He'd say things like, boom, crash, bang, when he was announcing as he explained what was happening in the field. And I feel like he would be great – explaining what's going on now on the front lines between the Greeks, the Achaeans, and the Trojans as they smash, boom, there goes Diomedes going through the front line, and he would chart the arrow on screen, showing you the direction he goes. That would be a lot of fun if we had something like that. Well, when we do the visual version for you guys listening, guys and gals, of course I'm saying, um, you'll see the uh, the, – we'll have have Gary play uh, John Madden, and he'll diagram (laughs) – well, that's, that, that, that's a hard role to follow, but uh, all yeah. right. Well, well, we'll we'll have you do the uh, the play by play. The Madden does the color. I'll I'll do the color with the arrows. How's that? Okay. We'll do our own football version good. of the Greeks, Greeks and Trojan. Okay. And so then, we're and then uh, uh, you know Homer goes on to talk about the 
the Trojan side too. Okay, let's hear. But, but the shining archer Pandarus, he's a he's a Trojan. Marked him, and I'll get to who him is, storming down the plain. Him is Diomedes. Smashing the Trojan lines before him. Quickly he trained his reflex. In other words, it's a backbend bow, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, reflex bow on Diomedes, charging straight ahead. He shot. He struck him full in the right shoulder, meaning he, he hit Diomedes. Under the breastplate's hollow, the ripping point tore deep, shearing away through. Armor splattered with blood as Pandora's triumphs, shouting uh, wildly. Quote, move up, attack my high-hearted Trojans. Lash your stallions. Look, the Achaean champion, badly wounded. I shot him down. I swear he won't last long if the archer really sped me here from Lycia. So, mm. bragging so, but the whizzing arrow had not brought him down. Diomedes just drew back from his car team and stood there calling Stentilus. In other words, Diomedes is a tough guy to bring down. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's just amazing to me that we don't have more stories about him, that people didn't decide to write. But again, we don't know. We've lost so much from the ancient world. Maybe there were tons. So, and, okay, you know, so what happened Homer, next? Homer goes on and he just says, you know, Diomedes piling corpse on course. As in one furious bound, cheers the fence yard, so raging Diomedes mauled the Trojans. You know, mm-hmm. Next, Diomedes killed two sons of of King Priam, careening on a single car, Ecmemon and Chromius, as a lion charges cattle. I, I love these, uh, you know, similes and, and uh, references. Mm-hmm. As a lion charges cattle, calves and heifers browsing the deep glades and snaps their necks, so tidy, tidies, pitched them both from the chariot, gave them a mauling. Gave them little choice, quickly stripped their gear and passing their team to his men to lash back to the ships. And then here's the introduction of your uh, one of your favorites here, Aeneas. But Aeneas marked it all, and oblivious to the rain of spears, he waded in. So he's joining the battle. All right. Well, now we've got to give him a special for Aeneas. We'll give him a couple of things. We're going to give him the... The angelic, and then the, because for the listener, Aeneas is, as written by Virgil, the father of the Roman people, the great Roman Empire. So there you go. Anyway, thank you, Gary. Which isn't true, but that's... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Wait, Wait a minute, wait a minute. Listen, if you got, once again, as I always say, if you're going to discount what Virgil says about truth, we're going to have to take on Homer, okay? So let's hands I'm, off I'm Virgil. I'm just telling you what the scholars say. I hands mean, off you know, Virgil. Hands off Virgil. They're at their, I, remember, there's some Romans, discussion. Romans did, didn't originate from the Trojan Greeks. They're, they're we, separate, I, as separate I mentioned, enemies. there's still some genetic studies going on, but we'll leave that for another time. But okay, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll leave that apart. All right, so we have Aeneas in the, in the fray now. So what's going on? So he was hunting for Pandarus, you know, the archer that struck uh, Diomedes, hoping to find the archer, find him he did. And so his Lycaon skilled, fearless son and went right up and challenged him into his face. Pandarus, where's your bow, your winged arrows, your archer's glory? No Trojan, your rival here. No Lycaon can claim to be your better. 
No, so up with you now. Lift your hands to Zeus. You whip an arrow against that man, whoever he is, who routes us. So, so it goes on, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, so, what, what do you take out of this chapter? What is this kind of? Uh, is this Homer giving just some color, flushing out the story, giving us the midpoint? What, what's the what's significant about this chapter? To I, I you? think it's it's showing, like I said at the beginning, the Greeks uh, viewed you know valor and war, in other words, your bravery and your ability to kill your enemy, as glory. They viewed that as glorious and. And it was all about winning glory that would last you forever. Mm-hmm. And um, they made a reference to that in the movie Troy, where uh, Brad Pitt playing Achilles was talking to a young boy. And um, and he was talking about that he's going you know, into the dangerous fight and stuff like this. And the boy said, oh, you know, basically the boy said, oh, that, that's why... You know, I I don't want to do that. It's too scary. And so Brad Pitt says, that's why my name will be remembered forever and yours will not. Pretty sharp takedown. Yeah. On the part so in of the other words, it, it was all about gaining glory so that your name would live on, you know, and on. Right. The, but the but in order is- to do that, uh, you were killing your enemy in this uh, very – terrible and, and uh, gory ways, you know, and, and that, that's what Homer fills the chapter with. Well, the old choice between the short and glorious or the long and dull life, right? Yeah, that was the, that was the, the, the so-called choice of Achilles. He chose yeah. the, the short, glorious life over the long, uh, unglorious one. Yeah, the long, dull one. So, so the chapter five gives us that and starts to flesh out that sort of the glory of that battle. And and through interesting enough, you talk about Achilles making that choice, but Achilles uh, it doesn't suit up in this uh, this chapter. Achilles, or he suits up. No, he, he's setting up the battle because he's upset that um, Agamemnon took away his love slave Briseis from him, and he's sulking in his in his uh, lodge, and he's refusing to fight. It's it is so much. You know, the more we talk about this, and it's not to lessen the. The, the trauma with the T trauma of war and the 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 misery and the awfulness and the pain of war but it is interesting in the way that these this war is told and these characters described it is so similar to the way our modern day quote unquote warriors now of course we have people who actually are frontline uh, soldiers and sailors and uh, airmen and uh, airmen and women but our sort of everyday casual worries of the athlete, it's so similar to the way they're portrayed. The athlete who doesn't want to play because he didn't get the contract that he wanted or because the coach said something he didn't like, so he doesn't go in. And so that's what Achilles does. He doesn't go in the game because he's unhappy with with what the head coach did to him as a punishment or as any number of things, right? He's not in there. And according to Homer – uh, if Achilles doesn't enter the fight, the Greeks don't win. Mm-hmm. It so, doesn't matter how many thousands of men die. If your main hero is not fighting, you're not going to win. Absolutely. So that's that's a, a myth that's portrayed. But anyhow, Aeneas is uh, r- rallying the Trojans. And um, 
and so he, you know, there's there's a Trojan that sort of wants to bow out and stuff like this, you know, and 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 Homer says Aeneas uh, checked the Trojan cap, captain sharply. Quote: No talk of turning for home, no turning the tide till we wheel and face this man, meaning Diomedes, with team and car, car meaning uh, chariot. And fight it out with weapons hand to hand. Come up with you now. Climb aboard my chariot, and so on. So he gets the guy to join him on his chariot to fight Diomedes. Mm-hmm. Wow, and, this is uh, just a—it's a great chapter. This is an epic chapter. That's a real uh, throwdown. You got a Diomedes. No, it is. And Diomedes responds. He says, Homer says, but powerful Diomedes froze him with a glance, not a word of retreat. You'll never persuade me. It's not my nature to shrink from battle, cringe and fear, with the fighting strength still steady in my chest. So he goes on. So mm-hmm. he dashes for Aeneas's horses. And far-seeing Zeus, the king of the gods, uh, he, he mentions here, gave Tros. Tros is the father of Aeneas. Mm-hmm. He's also the origin of the name Troy. Mm-hmm. And he said, Zeus gave Tros payment for in full for stealing Ganymede, because Tros, uh, Zeus abducted Ganymede, who's the son of Tros. Yeah, that's a, a very terrible myth. Uh, just yeah, and the thing is, it, myth. It, right, sure. it might uh, imply a bisexual uh, nature of, of Zeus, I don't know. but Well, and at the very least, it implies that Zeus abducts Children. I mean, it's it's a very bad myth. He's supposed to be the Ducks most children, you know. He's supposed to be the most beautiful boy ever, you know. But I, but again, for, for the for the listener, we're talking about a child, so it's yeah. not a not a really good. So thing. he abducts him uh, to Mount Olympus, turns him into his cupbearer, and, and and grants him immortality. But who knows what he had to do to get yeah. that? You know. God forbid. But anyway, so. Um, okay, so now you've got Aeneas and they've got uh, Diomedes in this, so it's a really, it's an incredible clash. And then, um, you, have, then you have the gods, you know, the next uh, uh, part I want to impart here. Um, uh, with that, Athena drove the shaft, and we're talking about into uh, Pandarus, you know, the one that shot hit Menelaus and so on. And uh, with that, Athena Uh drove drove the shaft uh, and split the archer's nose between the eyes. It cracked his glistening teeth. The tough bronze cut off his tongue at the roots, smashed his jaw to the point where it came ripping out beneath his chin. He pitched from his car, armor clanged against him, a glimmering blaze of metal dazzling around his back. Grim stuff. Good Lord, yes, it's terrible. Uh, well, let's actually, we're, uh, we're up against our time limit. We'll continue with this, but I think the main thing about this is one of this is, is an extraordinarily, vividly brutal chapter. Um, and we see some really intense showdowns. Uh, and we start to really see the, the, the drama and trauma of war in this. Uh, it's maybe... Uh, one way to describe it. So when we pick it up again, we'll pick it up from the end of chapter five, and then we'll go into chapter six.
Okay. Um, all right, Gary. Well, I want to thank, as always, this was a really great um, episode, very vivid episode, our Homeric scholar, Dr. Gary Stickle. Thank you, Gary. Well, thank you. It's been fun, if not uh, crazy, huh? Yeah, a wild story. And uh, I am Sean Marlinoof. Again, I don't read. Sometimes I, I may forget to introduce myself, but I'm doing it again now. And this is the 34 Circe Salon, The Parallax. You've been listening to our Classical Studies 101 series, and we are talking about the Iliad. We're taking it chapter by chapter. So thank you so much for listening, and we will be back very soon. Bye.